I don't, I don't know if I'm going to regret because it's going to be on the internet forever. Okay. It's okay. Be brave. What even is sex anymore? <laughs> yeah, it's a complicated question. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Petucci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Welcome back to the Unfiltered Podcast. Now, today's guest, she's not a new face around here. I am bringing back Kelsey Grant because after the first episode that I did with her, there was a ton of amazing feedback. So many of you said that you got so much from our conversation and that you would love to have her back as a guest. So today I'm bringing her back on. Now, the plot twist is, is that when we actually recorded this podcast or that episode with her, it was back in 2019. So we're almost at that two-year mark, even though you may have recently just listened to it. And Kelsey's work and Kelsey's day-to-day and her situation has changed and pivoted and evolved and I'm very excited to have her back and I'm going to be reintroducing what she's currently up to and then she's going to be joining us for a very juicy conversation. So let's talk about 2020 Kelsey Grant. She is passionate about normalizing and bringing integrated pleasure, connection, and intimacy back into the spotlight of human relating. As an enchantress of love with 15 years of experience in this industry, she delivers mystical transmissions through her writing, coaching, public speaking, and teachings. Her dream is to ensure that women, men, and people have access to unlocking the art of deeper alignment, passion, soulful magic, and pleasure with themselves and one another in relational dynamics. I am so excited as Kelsey's friend and, you know, as someone who's had the chance of working with her on a professional level as well, it's been amazing to watch her career evolve. And I think today is going to be an exciting episode. So welcome, Kelsey. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. (laughs) (laughs) People are just going to be so annoyed with us. Well, maybe, or maybe they'll just want to be in the honey club. Honestly, I I feel like I actually started the last episode we did together when I said people were going to be annoyed with us. But then today I got like, if I were to pick one piece of feedback that like, if I received it, I'd be like, that's all I want to hear. I got that today. Mm. And someone listened to the episode that we recorded And she was like, honestly, she just said, like, I felt like I was hanging out with my girlfriends. Like, she's just like, I loved it. She was like, great. And now I can't even say it back because I'm just like butchering it. I posted it on my stories. But anyways, I got the review that I wanted. And I was just like, that's what I want. I want people Mm -hmm. to just feel like that's exactly like what our dinners are like, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we talk about how do we incorporate our business? And then we talk about like, you know, dick. Dick. <laughs> I wasn't going to be the one to say it. Sorry, mom, but I'll say it. <laughs> honestly, that is what we're basically the rabbit yeah. hole we're going down today. So, for everyone listening, just so you guys know, there is a form that I have all guests fill out before they come on the show. Okay. And part of that form allows the guests to fill out, you know, main topics or points they'd like to speak to. And I'm going to read a part, <laughs> part of Kelsey's back to you so you can understand what I'm working with right now. Please note that this is written in all caps. So it's like, she's fucking screaming at me, like chill. I'm like, I'm right here, just chill. And nothing else on the form is in caps. Okay. Sex. It's like sex. I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> sex, magic, pleasure, burning down the patriarchy. <laughs> And fierce feminine embodiment. I'm like, okay, awesome. We have a few things here, broad, intense topics, but I'm sure we can find a few rabbit holes that we can just (laughs) sink down into. I'm so down. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to start with a little exercise. Are you open Mm -hmm. to this? 
Okay. Sure. Yes. If you're listening, you also have to play along or I'm going to be personally offended. Except if you're driving, do not play along until part two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> part one. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Inhale through the nose. Just exhale a nice sigh. And then just start moving however this feels good to you. Could you hear that? I'm playing that. I could hear it just fine. I got the groove. Brought back some memories too. I I mean, that is a blast from my childhood. Maybe this is why I've turned out the way that I have. Because in elementary school, I was listening to songs like that. Makes a lot of sense now. Honestly, though, sometimes I think about how strict my parents were with music with me, and I'm just like thought they were the meanest people ever. And I listen back to the like, lyrics now, and I'm like, why was I nine singing R. Kelly's like this <laughs> ignition? Good questions. Good it's just, questions. It's just not okay. Yeah, and we're I- just like. Yeah. Oh God. Anyways, no clue what I was actually singing along with until I entered into young adulthood. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I still feel all those things. That's super fucked up. I'm terrified to have a child because I just don't know how or what the dog is like enough for me. Well, your dog is a handful. Yeah, he is. Um, Okay. So let's talk about sex because I feel like it'll be disrespecting the song if we abandon it like that. Um, (laughs) Does it need any trauma? And honestly, dude, I'm just going to come out and say it because I need to stay in alignment with this being unfiltered. Perfect. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to regret because it's going to be on the internet forever. Okay. It's okay. Be brave. What even is sex anymore? <laughs> yeah, it's a complicated question. I specifically said to you that I was mad that doing your course like raised my standards so I couldn't just casually like hoe it up, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 But anyway, so the first year, it was just felt really empowering. Right. I was like, I know what I'm working on and this feels really good to me. But it also meant no casual encounters, mm-hmm. <laughs> which meant no sex for this bitch. <laughs> but they're like... <laughs> There also wasn't even anyone in my recycling bin that I could right. be like, hey. I mean, there's like <laughs> there's like one or two, but the stars didn't really align. Right. But anyways, the first year was kind of cool. Didn't feel the urge to like hoe it up necessarily because I was like stoked on what I was working on. But then plot twist, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And that's been, <laughs> that's been the better part of a year, I guess, for the most part. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a mathematician. But at this point, I just feel like I'm playing a game of Jeopardy, mm-hmm. you know? Like, hi, yes. Oh, yeah, I'll take what is sex for 400, please. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, enough about me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is your episode. Let's talk about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there have been so many women online speaking about pleasure lately, and I mm-hmm. fucking love it. Like I think back to a year ago and maybe it's because we don't engage with it at the time as much. So we don't notice it. And now that our attention shifted, I notice it more, but it's actually so cool to see more women using their platforms to speak about pleasure and to speak about sex and make it more of like a normal topic. And Mm -hmm. I've been watching you pivot with your work to incorporate more of that. So I want to talk about sex and pleasure, but are they the same? Are they different? Like, how do you, what's, what's that like in your world? I mean, they are the same and they're different. It's one of those paradoxes of life because intimacy and sex can mean penetration. It can also mean cuddling. It can mean making out. It can mean, you know, heavy petting. It could mean oral sex. It could mean anal sex. Like there's so many things that embody what sex is. And 
like I think what we're starting to see is a break away from this very linear way of looking at sex. Like it's just uh, orgasm oriented. So if you have an orgasm, that means yay, success, sex happened, or it's like P in the V, which then really ostracizes, you know, anyone who doesn't fit into that binary, you know, structure. Totally. Did not even think of that. And so we really have to start expanding what we categorize sexes. And the thing is for every single body, every single person, what sex is will be unique to them, which is why it's so important to talk about these things with the people that you're interested in getting intimate with, because what you know, lands as sex in your body might be different for them. And then we get into conversations around consent and like, I didn't consent to that, but we also didn't talk about anything. And it's like you assume things are a given. Exactly. And for a lot of heterosexual human beings, there is an automatic assumption that sex equals P and the V and it ends with an orgasm. Maybe she has one, but it usually centered around his orgasm. And that's when we know sex is done. Like and that's, that's when one we of insert the, fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, and when you ask people the question, how do you know when sex is over? Usually the answer is after he comes. If we're talking about a heterosexual dynamic here, which we are because that's our reality here, you know, in our personal experiences. And when we start maneuvering away from, well, where is her pleasure in all of that? Like, where's the priority for her orgasm? And you know what, there were a lot of books that came on the market in the early 2000s that really started to bring this information into the collective. And it kind of started in like a grassroots way. And then it's now really starting to make its way into the general population. And one of those books was She Comes First. And it's this basically user manual for men around female pleasure. And it's so necessary before you ever think about penetrating her that she needs to have at least one orgasm, which I am so down. (laughs) hold on when did this rule book come out (laughs) uh I think it was I think it was published in the early 2000s I could be totally wrong maybe that's just when it came on my radar um but yeah I it's a wonderful manual for men and women and I think that's such a huge piece in terms of pleasure reclamation is understanding that there is a gap in orgasm equality Like we do not have orgasm equality. A lot of women are not conditioned to explore their body in that way. You know, if we look from a very young age, a lot of sexualized exploration specifically around women is really frowned upon, shamed, like, or just not even on the radar. Whereas I think because boys have an appendage that hangs from their body generally, um, there is just this natural curiosity, whereas like with women, our sex organs are internal. So it's a very different experience to explore that versus like you just have this little dangly thing and you're like, oh, what does that do? You know? I can't, I cannot take the word dangling seriously after the fucking WAP song. I know. I know. I just hear Cardi B's voice just screaming in my headphones right now. No, me too. Me too. That's partly why I said it, because it also <laughs> brings me delight and pleasure, which coming back to your original question, like they can be one in the same, but they can also be completely different. And mm-hmm. if we've had a really challenging relationship to our sexuality, to our orgasm, to our bodies, to sex, one of the best places to start is non-sexual pleasure because it doesn't feel so threatening. It doesn't feel so overwhelming. And when we start to stack our lives with non-sexual pleasure, it also really helps us in that discerning phase of sussing out a new connection because we're not going in starved. We're not going in like super hungry. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone grocery shopping really hungry, but 
when I do that, like I buy a bunch of shit that I don't need. And then I I do that when I go grocery shopping on a regular day. (laughs) That's why Uh I get my meals delivered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to relationships and specifically like sexual partners, if our pleasure tank is empty, we're more likely to go in the direction of junk food sex, which is likely sex that is not going to result in your sexual pleasure. Um, And if it does, there is likely going to be like a huge emotional hangover fallout that happens after that, because there is no proper aftercare Hmm. with someone who we're we're not really vetting properly. Been there. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Like it wasn't until the last couple of years. I'm like, wait, aftercare is a real thing. Like, and that is an important thing to talk about before you get down and dirty with someone. Like, it's really important to know, like, what has me be at my best before, you know, to really like open the doorway and like for that to be a full bodied yes for me. And then what works for me during a sexual interaction. And then what do I need after to really feel grounded and stable and secure in my own system? And sometimes that will include things that you can do personally, but it also often includes things that you might need from your sexual partner or your romantic partner, if they're one and the same. Can you go back to non-sexual pleasures? Like what would Mm -hmm. be some examples of that? Well, anything that brings joy and delight into your life. So if we really want to start at the basics, we want to start building a relationship with our senses again. So what types of smells are really appealing to you? And then incorporate those into your day. So aromatherapy is really great for that Mm -hmm. because you can find a scent that really appeals to you and turns on your system. may not turn it on sexually, but it turns it on and it's appealing to your body. So we'd want to incorporate more of that. Then we want to look at textures. So what you know, textures feel appealing or feel pleasurable to the touch. Um, then we want to look at what do we see? <laughs> Sorry. That, what is so funny? It's so hard to interview you because I just want to like vomit <laughs> jokes out. Like when you're like, what feels good? Just this visualization in my head of like shaving your legs and then going into bed. <laughs> yes. But that, that would count. I just didn't want to interrupt you with my jokes. I just feel like it's not appropriate. Keep going. Oh, please interrupt <laughs> with your jokes because they delight me and they bring me pleasure. So there's that. Okay. And we want to look for things like what is appealing to my eyes. So certain colors, certain like scenery, like if you really like the ocean, maybe having a background on your computer of the ocean, or if you like the forest, having photos of the forest or even being in a forest, like whatever you find visually appealing. And then we would want to go into what sounds are really appealing for you. And there are certain songs, there are certain frequencies that I just cannot handle. And so I don't allow those into my, my daily vortex. Like that's just not gonna happen. I'm not gonna listen to music that sends my nervous system off the rails. And I am going to listen to music that actually you know, turns me on in the sense of like, I feel good when I listen to it. And then the final one we want to look at is taste. So what are things that really taste good in your mouth and not just flavor, but like feel good in your mouth? So are there certain textures that really gross you out? I would stay away from those. If there are textures that like are really appealing, <laughs> stick with those and start building your life around your, your senses and what is pleasurable for each of them. Because first of all, like it's impossible to share what turns you on in the bedroom if you do not even know what turns you on in life. I was just going to say your description is so similar to like how do you like ways you literally just get into your best energetic Mm -hmm. flow your best self without involving anyone else and that's like the core of like I feel like my reset or anyone's reset it's like I'm I'm unhappy I'm doing nothing in my life that turns me on. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got, and then start I'm not there. attracted. I'm like, Oh, well, people aren't attracted to me. I'm like, well, my energy is maybe not the most attractive. Mm-hmm. I don't even like what I'm doing. 
uncanny resemblance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. It's all fitting together. Mm -hmm. I see. I see how this all works now. And it's so true though, like if you aren't, and this is a really good policy for relationships too, like if you aren't inspired by your life, why would somebody else who doesn't know you want to come into that? Hmm. And not from a place of like shaming someone, but just a place of like, let's just take the temperature here. Let's just take a look at the, the data here. And if I don't even want to be in my life, what makes me think someone else is going to be like, yeah, that sounds like a good time. And so when we start pivoting and generating our life in a way that feels good to be in, and it starts with these sensory pleasures, and then we can maybe branch out into like, what type of movement feels good for your body? Because we've been conditioned that we're supposed to exercise a certain way. And instead of really listening to the wisdom of the body of how does your body want to move today? And it might run counter to like all of the fitness gurus on the internet. It might mean like, I just want to like lay on my floor and like stretch, or I might want to go for a run, or maybe I want to go dance or like whatever your body feels called to do in terms of movement. Once we've built a foundation of sensory pleasure, we can now move into these other domains and start designing how we move, perhaps how we do business, perhaps how we approach our health and well-being. And then eventually we move into relationships and sex because we have a nice foundation and we can trust ourselves to really design a life that feels good to be in, which means we have to be clear on our boundaries and what works for us, what doesn't. And for any women and people who menstruate who are listening to this podcast, it's so essential that you design your month according to your cycle. Oh man, you were the one who hounded me about reading In the Flow for (laughs) how many years? Long time. Yeah, (laughs) long time. And then sure enough, hormones were like, oh, you push in your late 20s? Let's shake things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like- Mm -hmm. Was it Cinderella where they just point the wand and then her dress was made? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's basically was my life. It was just like, oh, there's 20 pounds. Oh, oh, there's some cystic acne that's going to scar the fuck out of your face. Oh, by the way, your stress hormones are totally out of control. And all that HIIT workout, all those HIIT workouts that you're doing, the ones you really, really, really need to do to lose weight. Yeah. Your body's in fight or flight. And Mm -hmm. then you're putting it into like, extra like stress, (laughs) extra stress. And now I'm retaining weight. I'm Mm -hmm. holding on to weight. I was working out seven days a week and I was putting on weight and I was losing my mind for two Mm -hmm. years. You guys, if you follow my personal page, know that I opened up about my struggle with PCOS. And even before I got diagnosed with that, Kels was like, read in the flow. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then when I was in the thick of crying because I couldn't figure out my body, she was like, have you read the book yet? And I was like, Ugh. no. And that, so if you are someone who menstruates or ad- she even says identifies as a woman, mm-hmm. read 100%. this book. And it's basically how to biohack and s- like sync your cycles and normalize your body through food and movement, depending on which phase of the cycle you're in. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And that's really key to get into sync with our feminine essence. And, you know, a big part of why I have like these two middle fingers to the patriarchy all the time is because it's robbed women of the wisdom that they need in order to have full sovereignty over their system. And I think that that is complete and utter bullshit. Like that is not okay. And it's also done harm to men and people like it, it harms everyone. But as you know, a woman talking to another woman right now, like this is a really important thing to consider when calling back our power and, you know, your cycle is going to really influence what you find pleasurable. Like sometimes when I'm really close to my period, the things I find pleasurable are very different. 
Macaroni when I was cheese and sweatpants. That was me last night. That's literally what I did last night. Personally inv- offended that I was not invited over. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's right near my period and like I just want all the snacks and all the things that, you know, cookies and ice cream and like all the things. And then there's like this blatant shift in my energy where I'm like, oh, now I just want bone broth and green juice. Like, and because there is more attunement there now, I can listen and I can hear what my body is asking me for, which is very helpful in the world of relationships or in the domain of sex. Because what I want or desire sexually will shift depending where I am in my cycle. And if we're attuned to those different shifts in our hormones or just shifts in our energy, if you don't physically have a hormonal cycle that you cycle through every month, um, you still have those shifts in your energy system. And when we shift into the more like nurturing phase where it's all about connection, like the type of sex I want to have on that week of my cycle is much more slow, much more connected, maybe a little eye gazing. And then I go into crunch week where I'm just fucking pissed at the world. And I'm, that's where I am right now, which is probably why like, I'm like, fuck the patriarchy. Because I'm just like everything that needs to be looked at is like coming to the surface. And so that that phase of my cycle, it's much more charged. So I want much more like passionate or sometimes like even more like aggressive sex, like nail scratching and like my mom's going to fucking kill me. I'm sorry. I know this is my job and my podcast. And I swear I know that it's unfiltered. It's my rules. But I'm really fucking sorry, mom. You know, but mama bears need to hear this stuff too. They really do. If dad's listening, turn it off. Turn turn it off. off. And I'm not coming over this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had sex in my life, so they have no reason to be upset. It's It's fine. fine. (laughs) (laughs) But it is really important to, to know those things about your system and to know, like, what does my body desire right now. And because sex is often so in the shadow and it's not even normalized to talk in our family system, it's not normalized, you know, for a lot of friend circles to talk about it with your friends. And so like, who do you talk to about it? Who do you have these conversations with where you get the practice of speaking what's true for you? and exploring like, Ooh, this feels pleasurable or, and that's how the porn system gets set as an example for people mm-hmm. to have sex. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, this is no. not, it. this is not it. Not it. This is not mm-hmm. it. <laughs> not it. Unless it's ethical porn where feminine pleasure is actually a, a part of the et- entire experience. That is like the one caveat, but there's still like so much about, the porn industry as a whole that can be so damaging for not only our brain chemistry, but also our capacity to intimately connect with other human beings. And not just in a sexual capacity, like it impacts and influences our capacity to connect, period. Well, we talk about like, even something like social media or media in general setting unrealistic beauty standards for women and how we have this pressure of what a normal body looks like, what, how my face has to look, how I'm, you know, all of that, how I have to dress literally all of that. But the exact same thing happens with the porn industry Mm -hmm. when females think, or even men think that's how I have to fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we're like, uh, Don't do that to me, please. No. <laughs> or maybe no, do no, it to no. me, but ask first. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about But honestly, this shame around female pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it shameful or embarrassing for a woman to be like, I know this is what I like, so let's do it? Mm-hmm. Like, why do the men have to call the shots? Well, that's precisely why we have to burn this whole system to the ground. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy. (laughs) Because it's imbalanced. And, you know, there's 
many reasons why that would have gotten adopted. You know, I come from a Roman Catholic background and in the, the creation story in the Roman Catholic church, the feminine is villainized. So it's like a woman that is the cause of the fall of mankind from grace. And that has been infiltrated into the psyches of human beings for centuries. And, you know, you and I understand like how the subconscious mind works. So if we have a narrative that has been installed into our subconscious mind, it influences 95% of what we think and do. And so if we have these narratives that have been passed down generationally about the imbalance of power between men and women, but also this, you know, additional energy of like, women are the reason why we fell from grace, why we lost our innocence, which is complete and utter bullshit because women are the bearers of life and like there would be no life without women. So like get your head out of your ass. Like, let's think about this for a second, you know, but those narratives are so strong and people are so attached to them because it gives them a sense of security, stability, belonging, like, and we don't often question the things that our family system passes down to us. And so this is, you know, my generation, your generation, you know, are groups of people who are finally starting to challenge some of these narratives, some of these belief systems that have been operating under the radar for so long. And that's why it feels like, oh my God, there's like so many things to like deal with right now because we're having to unravel the harm of looking at it through the lens of the binary and also the lens of, you know, the feminine is villainized. Mm -hmm. So in order to belong in a family, in a community, we have to reject the thing that we innately are, which is feminine. And so the best way to align with the patriarchy is to not have needs, to be very pleasing, to attune to more masculine principles, which is like hustle, 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 produce, produce, produce. And we lose the magic. We lose the pleasure. We lose the capacity to reflect and restore and recharge because those are all more feminine energies. And so we see like our whole world is fucking off kilter right now because we're not embracing the feminine aspects, which of course, anyone who is a woman or identifies as a woman, um, you will be largely impacted by that. And subconsciously it will have you reject yourself in order to belong. And we have to start questioning like, who are we trying to belong to? What are we trying to belong to? Not ourselves, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. until this podcast we're claiming it back now we're belonging to ourselves now we gotta go find the people that wrote that sex playbook you just spoke about it's been 20 years facebook ads weren't a thing back then we need them to pump the ads out so people know the rules Mm -hmm. about women getting an orgasm first Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like monopoly do not pass go you're in jail exactly do not collect two hundred dollars totally and the only time you can get out is if you pull that chance car card Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and your girlfriend has an orgasm or not girlfriend but whatever yeah or at least like prioritize her pleasure first because i think sometimes if we make it only about the orgasm then there is that pressure that gets built i know that's been the case for me i've had partners who are like i want you to have an orgasm before we have penetrative sex and then i i'm in my head because I'm like, oh, I now need to perform an orgasm so we can move to the, yeah. Versus like, there needs just to be a phase of connection where pleasure, like my pleasure is prioritized here. And then we allow that to maneuver us into whatever's next. And I might have an orgasm sometimes. Sometimes my body just is like, nah, we're not doing it this way today. I'm like, all right. But it, it doesn't take away from the pleasure of the experience. And you had the choice. And I had the choice. Yeah. You had the choice. I feel like you're about to say something. You're like, like I'm going to have to edit that pause out. <laughs> 
it's bad because when I podcast, I sit next, you can see me right now, but I sit next to my window and I just, like, I don't even know why we're on video. I'm not looking at you. I'm just daydreaming and like words are coming out. Um, we went on a tangent. We did. <laughs> Let's dial it back a little bit. Minus my joke about the Facebook ads. Um, ways to incorporate pleasure into your life. So that's simple. Both men can do that. Both women mm-hmm. can do that. You look to your needs and things that make you happy. You make sure you can deliver those things on your own, like fulfill mm-hmm. your own happiness. You're now glowing. Your energy's great. You're attracted to you. It's like a mating call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It's like a little mating dance. And then, okay, so now we've, re- we've united. We've got We've got two people in their power doing their thing. They've come together. Now, how do we transform the sexual experience to not just like, let's bang it out? Hmm. Yeah, the first thing you got to do is talk about it. My friend, Sean Galanos has a really great quote. He's like, if you can't talk about sex, you shouldn't be having it. And I feel like that is a really important standard for all of us to start incorporating. Like mm-hmm. If we can't talk about sex before we're naked with each other, we're probably not ready to be naked with each other yet. And like, this is specific to like romantic partnership, vetting for partnership. It's a little bit different if you're wanting a lover, but you still have to talk about what the boundaries are, what the expectations are, what you like, what you don't like, even if you're only having a lovership, like even if that's all it is. And like, it's casual in that sense. And this is what drives me nuts about this whole like casual dating, casual sex thing, just because it's casual sex doesn't mean that we can't, we are like omitting communication. The casual sex actually requires more communication. 1000%. Yeah. And it just boils my blood when people are like, oh, I just like, let's just have sex. When, whenever I've been in pockets of, of that mentality in my life, it's because a, I didn't understand the potency of what sex energy actually is. I didn't understand the energetic and emotional exchange that happens during sex. And I also didn't know how to bring my needs forward. I didn't know how to communicate what was a yes, what was a no, what my boundaries are, like didn't have any of those skills. So I totally get it why that's a thing out in the culture, but I also really see the importance for that to shift. And the best place to start is to have a conversation with yourself. Like, what am I a yes to? What am I a no to? Um, What are the boundaries around this dynamic? What do I need before to kind of prime me to be open to wanting to explore sexually with this person? What do I need in the experience with this person? And what do I need afterwards? And then we wanna take a look at, you know, how, how are we taking care of our sexual health? So a lot of people won't talk about this before they have sex with someone. And that's also really problematic. And the language that we use really matters. So asking someone if they're clean is a big no-no because it automatically like implies that if you have an STI, you're dirty. Mm. And if you're dirty, that means that there's shame anchored there. And the thing is, STIs are a normal part of being a sexually active adult. Like you're gonna get one. Like, <laughs> and if you don't, like if you somehow don't get one, you are going to come across people who do. Like, and that's just a normal part of having sex, but there's so much shame around STIs because there's so much shame around sex and it's very much in the shadow. Well, you're taught about STIs at school and all the bad things about sex before you even taught about sex. Mm -hmm. She talks about it in the book. Yeah. But like basically from the time you're like 10 or 12, you have your first thing in school. You're like, basically here's the download being a woman. You're going to bleed every month and it's going to be the fucking bane of your existence. And you're like, accurate. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've lived the last 20 years of my life. It fucking sucks. Um, but same thing with sex ed. I remember like what we started doing sex ed 
more so like around reproduction in grade mm-hmm. seven. Mm-hmm. And then in my high school, they would have other students come in to teach the students Interesting. about sex and safe sex. And I remember I was asked to be like one of those leaders. I was like in grade 12 going to talk to a grade nine class. And I'm like, why the fuck should I be talking to a a 14 year old about having sex? I shouldn't be the one educating someone, Hmm. but it's so right. Like, it is just like, if you have sex, all of these bad things will come from it. You're Mm -hmm. either going to die, get pregnant (laughs) or get an STI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of fear that's already running in the subconscious around sex. And so it can be really uncomfortable to have these conversations, but the more we normalize having these conversations and saying, Hey, this is my STI status. This is the last time I was checked. And these are the results. And if you do have an STI, like this is what I'm doing to manage that or to handle that. It's really that simple. Like, and we want to stick to such a simple framework for talking about SDIs. And, you know, I think it's really important to use discernment because this day and age, people might tell you what they think you want to hear versus the truth. And so this is why we would have the conversation about STI health, but then also the conversation about uh, safe sex. So how are we practicing safe sex with each other? And for me, condoms are a non-negotiable. Like we are using condoms, period. And if there's a problem, well, I guess we're not fucking. Like, <laughs> simple as that. Like, Oops, I forgot. Oops, I forgot I'm not having sex with you. <laughs> yeah, actually. And imagine what might happen if, you know, people started to take more responsibility for safe sex. So as a woman, like I always have condoms with me because you never know. I mean, in Corona times, it's a little different. It's like, wait, so when we went for grilled cheese and tomato soup last week, probably had one in my purse. If I had a purse with me, it definitely has a condom in it. That's so funny. And especially if I'm going on a date with someone like for me, my sexual health is important and I value it. And it, it's not likely that like a first date is going to end up in sex for me, but in the off chance that it does, I want to make sure that I'm prepared and I am taking care of my own sexual health. Yeah. It's like a tampon, you know, when you're going to get your period, but you always have one in your bag. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And in your car and (laughs) everywhere else that you might need one. Condoms everywhere. Condoms everywhere. Char- Charles is eating one in the back. <laughs> Be like, Auntie, clean what is shit this up. balloon. Yeah. <laughs> Charles is not allowed over at your house, that's for sure. Well, technically, he's not allowed over at my house anyway, because I can't have pets and I can't sneak him in. He's way too big. Oh, God, that's a whole other episode. We won't talk about it. I'm mad. Um, Okay, can we go back to the conversation about casual sex and conversations you should be having with the partner? Because aside from safe sex, I think people need to be okay with understanding that you might change your mind at some Mm -hmm. point throughout this interaction, or you might be like, oh shit, didn't think I would catch feelings and Mm -hmm. here they are. So how do we, how do we deal with that and talk about that? Because I just feel like a lot of people are going to be like, Ooh, that's, it's like that cool girl joke I made in that right. first podcast. Like, Oh yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. He'll eventually mm-hmm. fall in love with me. Mm-hmm. How do we address the, Hey, this is not working for me <laughs> or basically just say, Hey, this is not working for me. Yeah. Honestly, the, like these things aren't as complex as we sometimes make them out to be and communication in my opinion should be as simple and direct as possible. Otherwise, like human beings make meaning to everything. And what one word means to you is likely, it means something different to somebody else. And so this is why you want to flush it out with a partner. Like when I say that I am only available for safe sex, what do you hear? Like, what does that mean to you? And see if you're on the same page because safe sex to one person might mean just not coming inside of her 
And it might mean call me when you get home so I know you got home safe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for other people, it's like we have these conversations, we talk about our needs, we talk about what turns us on, and we also use a barrier method. You know, in like if someone's on birth control, cool, but like also a barrier method if we're talking about male female dynamics or even male, male or female, female, like this is important across the board. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really going into that conversation of like, this is what I need in order for this to be a yes for me. What do you need for this to be a yes for you? And then you sit with that. Like, does their answer actually work for you? And if it doesn't, you're like, okay, that actually doesn't work for me. This, this isn't going to happen. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. People can want different things and we're not here to shame someone for what they want or what they don't want. Like that's, that's not cool. Like we're not here to do that. Um, and no one is obligated to want what you want with you. Like, and that's one of the hardest parts of being human is like, we have this desire or we have this fantasy that we've conjured up with someone and then we, yeah. And then we bring that forward and they're like, yeah, no, that's not for me. And then we either like kind of abandon ourselves and we're like, actually, it's not that important to me. And like, I could like make a couple concessions here and like, and then we've lost our power. We're already like out of sync with ourselves Mm -hmm. or we take it as a personal rejection. Like, oh, I must not be worthy or maybe something about what I want is wrong. And so we beat ourselves up. We might still stick to our guns, but like we might go, you know, on a, on a deep spiral of self-loathing after that. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to just remember like how someone responds to your boundary or your needs is really largely about them. And we want someone, especially if we're talking about intimate partners, where we're exchanging bodily fluids, we might even be inside each other. Like that's in, that's very, very intimate. And we want to make sure that like there is some alignment, especially in the domain of respect and consideration and care for each other. If that I think isn't that's there, so important. Like there's nothing wrong with the casual relationship and there's mm-hmm. a lot of shame and stigma around Totally. People wanting that. There's nothing wrong with people wanting that. It's just they fail to address these really important mm-hmm. topics that allow it to be smooth sailing and respectful and like mm-hmm. a level playing field. 100%. And if you're the person who wants a casual relationship and the person that you're talking to is agreeing to a casual relationship, but intuitively you feel like that's not actually a yes for them you have a responsibility to bring that forward and like not just go by what they're saying. Like, oh, they said it was fine, but like I can feel that it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, taking relating to a whole other level of consideration and responsibility. And I mean, I learned that, you know, through my experiences, I had a, a person that I really just wanted to have casual sex with. And I told him that. Like, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm available for. That's a good way of framing it. This is what I'm available for. This is what you can count on me for. This is what you can't count on me for. And I was really, really clear with him. And he agreed. He's like, oh yeah, that's cool. And I could tell in his answer that he wasn't okay with it. But I'm like, well, he said he was okay with it. So I care about my needs more and like, let's do this. And then it turned into a fucking disaster because six months into that, he thought we were in a relationship. I'm like, no, (laughs) we're just having sex. Like, this is very casual. Like, that's what we agreed to. And he was so upset and hurt. And I couldn't even really be angry about it because I knew when he said yes, that it wasn't a yes. And I still went forward with it anyway. And so we have to have that level of regard and respect for ourselves and regard and respect for someone's boundary. And like, if we're picking up something that feels incongruent, like to really have that part of us in check that just wants to get our needs met, no matter what the cost to another person and really bring that forward of like, 
I know you just said that you were okay with this, but I'm kind of feeling that maybe there's something else to that. Like, is that the most true answer? I, I don't want to, maybe we shouldn't proceed tonight. Um, maybe sit with that for a day or two and then we can revisit this conversation because I really want to make sure that that is actually a yes for you. Like that level of consideration and respect when we are talking about the domain of sex is one of the things that can help bridge us into bringing sex out from the shadow and into the light. And it doesn't take away from getting your needs met. No. It just makes for a way better playing field for you and everybody involved. 100%. Why do we have to be so shysty about sex? It's like we have to trick people into doing it. I know. (laughs) It's it's almost like we think that there's like five people on the whole planet. I mean, at this point. uh... (laughs) And we forget that there are billions of people on the planet, many of who are attractive and who would be a great match for us and us for them. And, but it is that scarcity mentality. Like there, this is the only one. This is the only one. That's how I feel when I keep seeing Channing Tatum on Raya. And I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> and I won't match with anyone else. Cause I'm only waiting to see if I'll match back with me. <laughs> That's amazing. I hope he does because I would really like to learn that dance that he did in Magic Mike. <laughs> um, I'd like him to teach it to me personally. So okay, I'll work on it. Oh, yeah, please put do. it on my vision board. <laughs> um, okay. Last topic, and I don't want to send you on another one hour. <laughs> I'll rein it and in. I know we only have 10 minutes. We only have 10 minutes. Um, but, or this means... Kelsey comes back for a third episode. You'll just be a monthly, to... monthly occurrence. You know, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that too. Um, or we could just have our own, but you keep shutting me down, but whatever, <laughs> I'll keep asking. <laughs> um, fierce feminine embodiment. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, I can definitely like pull that out of our, our transition out of our sexual talk because I just feel like a lot of women aren't really used to stepping into their feminine they're Mm -hmm. not really like used to understanding like I'm 30 and I'm just starting to realize like oh fuck I've been in my masculine energy for as long as I can remember and now that I'm like learning about what feminine energy is and it's not like you are a man you are a woman right it's certain things you do possess a masculine energy certain things you do possess a feminine energy and majority of the things that I do in my life have masculine energy Mm -hmm. I run my own business I have to manage people I feel like shit doesn't get done unless I do it myself I just and then I'm just so high strung all the time and then it was you that was like okay how do we get you to move into your feminine what makes you feel good and then we started tying back into those like What are those pleasures Mm -hmm. in your life that make you feel good? I got hair. Yeah. I'm whipping my hair back and forth. Um, (laughs) Is that a ponytail? I just hurt my neck. (laughs) It's like cords everywhere. Um, Fierce feminine embodiment. Mm -hmm. You're going to be like really zoning in on this. So what is it? And are you going to be working with women to be like, here's how you just step into it? Talk to us a little bit about it. Okay. Um, The reason we can't have a podcast together (laughs) is because I'm starting my own and we can just like tag team. You can come on mine. I'll come on yours. It's basically the same. Whatever. Next topic. (laughs) In that podcast, in that show, like so much of this exploration of what it means to be embodied in our feminine is going to be the focal point of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because for as many women as there are on the planet, there will be that many different ways to embody your feminine. Because it is going to be unique to you. It'll be unique to how your energy signature embraces and explores feminine energy. And you and I both do have a lot of masculine energy, but we also have a lot of feminine energy. And for me, like, again, running a business and, you know, I'm very much like you, like, let's get shit done. Like, 
<laughs> I don't have time to wait around for you. Like there, there is that fierceness there and it's bringing that same level of fierceness, but in the domain of the feminine, which is a very different expression. So fierce feminine expression means being very connected to the body. So what is going on in my body? Like, let me do a scan through my system every day, multiple times a day. Like, am I holding tension anywhere? Where is there pleasure in my body right now? Are there any sensations happening in my system? Like right now I feel a little bit of not tightness, but I feel like sensation in my upper chest. Like, and it's not good, bad, right, wrong. It's just sensation. And so when we start getting into like, Ooh, what's going on in my body today? All right. There's some feminine embodiment. Then we want to start bringing in more feminine based principles, which requires us to rest, which is the one thing the patriarchy does not want you to do, you know? And so by prioritizing rest and restoration and time to go inward, and again, like coming back to your cycle, you literally have a five to seven day window every single month that your body is designed to help you go inward. It's designed to slow you down. And I keep thinking of like the tampon commercials of the 1980s and like 90s, where it's like, we can do anything with Tampex. Like, don't let your period slow you down. It's like, that's the whole fucking point. The whole point. Of your period is to slow you down so yeah but they came inward. up with that they came up with that concept in a boardroom of men and they were like brilliant <laughs> yes 100 percent. that's 100%. amazing sell the tampons yeah and that is not what the feminine system needs the feminine system needs at least a few days a month to recalibrate to go inward to reflect on okay what has happened in this last month's cycle and what am I setting myself up for in the month ahead? And having that space for contemplation, going inward, intimacy with your inner world. That's so important. And then, you know, part of the fierce feminine reclamation is getting in touch with your anger, getting in touch with those parts of life that are enraging and like not staying quiet about it. Mine is so blocked off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it, I think it is for a lot of women because just like we've been conditioned to shut down our sexual expression, shut down our pleasure, we've also been conditioned to shut down our voice mm -hmm. and to not really speak up and speak out about things that are not okay. And even if we look back even like one or two generations in our family system, there are likely things that happened in the family system that were violations to the feminine that, you know, either abused or took advantage of the feminine that just got swept under the rug. No one ever brought that to the forefront because like there wasn't the support, there wasn't the context to be able to hold that culturally. And so now we're at a place where there is a little bit more space and context to hold it culturally. And women are rising. They are bringing that fierce energy to the, to the surface. And like, when we first start reclaiming it, it's a little sharp. It's you know a little vicious. Like it's like the mama dragon, she's burning shit to the ground. And then we do find some middle ground where we can like really plug into that fierce anger and allow it to inform our boundaries without losing connection. Mm. That's really where we want to land because if we're, you know, just being aggressive all the time. Like there is no connection in that and connection is inherently <laughs> feminine. So can we be really fierce in our boundary and say that was not okay with me and still remain connected to your own body to connected to your own innocence and connected to the other person to the degree to which is safe, you know, because obviously if we're talking about, you know, abuse or a perpetrator in that regard, you don't want to be connected to that type of person. But if we're talking about just a relationship where, you know, trust was broken or, you know, a violation of some kind happened and they're not a monster, we want to remain connected to ourselves and to them and also bring up this fierce boundary energy. And when we start to balance it out and like, that's how we can really start to maneuver with the feminine. If 
But if we're not resting, if we're not slowing down, if we're not incorporating pleasure, if we're not moving in our body, like the feminine energy is creative. It's moving constantly. And your body is the vessel for that. So if you are sitting still or stagnant the majority of your day, it's not really giving your feminine energy space to move. So even just having, like if you're an entrepreneur like Ali and I, and you do like a lot of work and you're in your masculine a lot, that's fucking great. Crush it. And incorporate some elements that allow you to connect with your feminine throughout the day. So maybe at the 90 minute mark, you set a timer every 90 minutes and you do a 10 minute dance break or a 10 minute stretch break where you get up and just move your body. Um, or you might have a diffuser going in the background. So you have those scents or maybe you have certain like sound healing. I love listening to sound healing while I'm working. And so mm -hmm. I'm appealing to these more pleasurable aspects of my senses, which inevitably connects me into my body. And from there, like I can produce results so fast. I would much rather get in a state of flow with my feminine and then go to work and get shit done because I can get it done way more efficiently versus if I'm like slogging it, like forcing myself to get up before I'm ready to wake up and like pushing myself in that regard, like the results just aren't as potent and they're certainly not as magical. Like when I release the reins a little bit and I, I'm not like choke holding my business or choke holding my life. Mm -hmm. um, there is more space for magic. There is more space for serendipity. Like, I mean, there's so many things that have happened in the last two weeks. And I'm like, how did that even happen? But I'm like, oh, there was space for that to happen. I'm not filling every single moment of my day with being quote unquote productive. Like I'm balancing. I use my masculine tools to book in feminine time. Like yeah, I literally yeah. will use my calendar to be like, okay, we're going to Jaybird tomorrow mm -hmm. morning, but I'm going at 9.30 and not 6.30 because yes. 6.30 is going to make me resentful and unproductive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. 9.30 because I can just mosey on over. Yeah. And that's, that's the dance because we're not trying to eradicate the masculine parts of who we are because you actually need your masculine energy to protect your feminine energy. And like things like boundaries are very masculine energetically and that protects your vulnerability that protects your, you know, the love and the sweetness that's in you and ensures that it has the proper conditions to thrive. And so we, we need them both, but for a lot of people, we are just out of balance. So we have way more of the masculine energy that's been prioritized and integrated into our day-to-day -day life. And the feminine gets villainized still of like, oh, it's not okay to rest or, oh, you're lazy if you take a day off or um, like you need to go and crush it at the gym and only lift really heavy weights, like going to a yin class, like that's not working out. Like, so we have all of these narratives that we do need to deconstruct. And so start where it feels safe to start. And if that is just like putting in a 10 minute dance break or 10 minute movement break, throughout pockets of your workday, that would be extraordinarily helpful in the reclamation of your feminine. Going to sleep when you're tired, also really helpful because rest is such a huge part of the feminine reclamation. And a lot of us will be tired, but we're like, no, I must watch one more episode of that show. I feel personally attacked. I'm like, I mean, me too. I do it too. Like, and so it's a work in progress. Like we're not striving for perfection here. We're just striving for, you know, integration, exploration, progress, like really invite new elements into your life and test them out. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't just leave it mm -hmm. and try something else. And that's the nature of the feminine. Like, oh, we're going to test all of these different things and see what sticks for me and my personal expression. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, mm. <laughs> um, okay. 
is that going to be a course? Is that going to be on your podcast? Your new podcast coming out is going to be centered around that? The one yeah. that you won't host with me? Okay, got it. Yes, yes, that is it. <laughs> and I also have a new membership site that officially will be launched in the new year, but there is going to be an early bird um, option to register. And for like December and a little bit of November, I'll just be going in and doing office hours. So it's a wonderful opportunity to get coached in this area if, you know, doing a longer term program is not in your budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make something available where we could you know, go through these topics every month and have group discussions, but also have a space for people to get coached women like this is only for mm-hmm. women. Um, to get coached in the realm of their feminine reclamation, their pleasure, sex, like, and start to normalize these conversations. So like the exact, you know, feedback that you got on the podcast of it feels like I'm there, you know, talking with my girlfriends when I'm listening, like, that's what this membership is all about. Like, this is the hub to come and talk with your sisters about things that really matter to you, Mm. especially in the realm of intimacy, sex, relationships, and your divine feminine reclamation. And so we have a safe container to explore that. So it becomes more normal to go out and have these conversations with your circle of friends, with your partners, even Mm -hmm. maybe with your family. Like um, these are important things to just be discussing across the board. So that will be available like mid November. Amazing. And you're still doing one-on-one coaching for other things for relationships or are you fully transitioning out? No more one-to-ones. Just just my year of love, but there won't be another intake for that until probably spring or summer of 2021. Amazing. Because this this new membership is where I'm going to be investing a lot of my energy and, you know, having you know, some of my graduates come back and, you know, support the container. And so there's a lot of women who will have worked with me that will be part of that community, which is also very helpful in terms of building networks of support. And yeah, moving out of the one-to-one model, the only ones who get one-to-one with me are either my graduates or women in the year of love program. And me. (laughs) And you. Well, you're a graduate of the program. Um, okay best way for people to contact you still radical self-love your instagram Mm -hmm. and we have a link in bio from there or yeah all of my offerings will be in my instagram bio and that's that's the best way to find me right now until we Mm -hmm. get all the the new websites until she like winks at me until Allie does my website and brand (laughs) wink (laughs) i'm I'm just gonna protest it sorry i can't do it i'm in my feminine (laughs) i'm busy I'm busy doing nothing. I'm busy doing nothing. Um, Kelsey, thank you. Mm, You're very welcome. It is so great to have you. Um, Mom and dad, again, I'm sorry. Hopefully by now you've turned it off, but in the slight chance you're still listening, I apologize, but not really. And we will hopefully have you back on another episode soon. Oh, yes. Next month. That's our new thing. Okay. Thank you, Annie. You're welcome. (laughs) I love you. Love you. Thanks for listening to Unfiltered with Allie. This is your friendly reminder that I have new episodes launching weekly on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on Apple and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Have questions or maybe you want to connect further? Head over to Instagram and type in at Unfiltered with Allie. See you next week.